Hey everybody, welcome to the Patron Extra Show for August 2018. Thank you all so much for being patrons, for your continued support and keeping the show rolling. This month I have a question from patron Bill Elliott and he uh, he was hope I, this was in response to my request some time ago for video topics and I may get around to doing a video topic on this at some point, but it's going to be a pretty involved video. So for now, I thought maybe I might just talk about it. Um, so he says, can you talk about laying down a base coat to avoid blotching? I appreciate the one-to-one -one thinning, but watching you go from start to finish and laying down a base coat might seem simple, but I'm looking for the finer points. I purchased some pre-prepared base coat from another woodworker, but it did not work very well. Diluting shellac is said to be better. Also, would you brush it, rag it, flood it on? Related would be demonstrating the application of the initial stain. I'm not sure the best applicator, brush, rag, the time allowed before wiping off. How to ev evaluate whether a second coat of stain is needed. These sorts of instructions would be helpful, even though I have heard all this numerous times, I feel like I'm missing expert teaching. So I don't want to disappoint you, Bill, but I'm far, far, far from an expert on finishing. Um, what I will say is that my experience with the finishing that I have done, the discussions with the professional finishers and restorers that um, I have had people who work in museum settings, um, you know, etc. I think one of the biggest misconceptions that people have that that most woodworkers have um, is that you can change. Well, is that you can get the look you want by staining the wood. Um, there's. There's kind of problems all over with that, and blotching becomes a big issue with with certain species like cherry, like pine, um, birch. Anytime or anytime you have figure in the wood, and I think what it helps to understand is why this blotching occurs in the first place. Usually, when we see areas of blotching, it has there there are two reasons that it can happen. One is is the difference between soft wood, very soft wood and very hard wood. This is what usually happens in pine, where you have the um, certain, the, the early growth, the early, uh, early growth rings are very soft, very soft wood. And then that later growth is very hard wood. So you get these growth rings in the tree that alternate between very soft kind of spongy wood and then very dense hardwood. And that's what makes pine um, chip out too. If you've ever, you know, if you're cutting dovetails and you're chiseling the end grain and it seems to compress and then it pulls out a big chunk, that's because you've got this difference between really soft spongy wood fibers and really hard, dense, brittle wood fibers. And that's what, what causes that in pine. That's what also causes blotching because the really soft spongy fibers soak up and pull up all of that stain while as the hard fibers don't. And what you will often find in pine is that the color of the rings actually switches, it actually changes, reverses when you apply a stain. 
And what I mean by that is if you look at pine, look at a piece of pine, and you'll notice that some that, that one layer of growth rings is very light while the other is very dark. There's a distinct difference in color between the growth rings. Um, this is really apparent when you look at cathedral grain on a pine board. The really dark grain, that's the really hard stuff, whereas the really light stuff, that's the soft stuff. Well, what will often happen is when you apply a stain to pine, the really soft stuff will absorb so much of that pigment, pigment it'll actually get darker than the harder rings, which really don't absorb hardly any of the stain at all. So you get this reversing of the dark and light bands in the wood. Some people like that. To some people, it looks terrible. Uh, me, I don't stain pine. I hate to look a stained pine. I, I don't think you can ever make pine look like another wood by staining it. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of people try, will try to stain pine, you know, to make it look like something else. Um, but in my opinion, it just really doesn't work. Um, I think poplar can be stained to some extent to look like cherry or, or not really mahogany. The pores in mahogany are, are wrong, but you can kind of get poplar stained to look sort of like cherry uh, because the grain structure is fairly close, but poplar is much softer than cherry. But for the most part, I don't like using stains and most professional finishers and most restorers will tell you the same thing. Stains do nothing but create problems. Most professional finishers and most restorers do not add color by using stains. Now, you can certainly use pigment stains and you can certainly use dyes to alter the base color of the wood. And that's what most professionals will use dyes for. In fact, pigment stains are almost never used in a professional environment to color wood because they stink at it. Um, you know, pigment stains are really something that DIYers and homeowners use on, you know, baseboard trim to try and get, you know, something to, to somewhat match in color. But um, pigment stains are, they're just terrible on furniture. Dyes are a little bit better. So what's the difference between a pigment stain and a dye? So stain, which is what you can usually find in, you know, you'll find it in woodworking stores. General finishes make stains, but you'll, it's the stuff that you find in your home center most of the time made by, you know, Cabot or Olympic or Minwax. And you'll find all these different colors of stain in the painting section. And what they are is a solvent, usually mineral spirits, and they have a pigment suspended in them. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm being very specific when I say suspended because that pigment is not dissolved. It is suspended. Think of, uh, let's see, what's the best example that I can give you? Um, paint. I mean, well, paint is really a suspension and, and, and stain is a suspension. So the particles do not break down and dissolve. They're ground, they're small ground particles of pigment and they just kind of suspend in the carrier, the carrier being the solvent. And in some cases it's a varnish. There's a little bit of resin varnish added in there to act as a binder and a solvent, a lot of solvent. And what ends up happening is you stir that stain up and all those pigment particles suspend throughout the solvent, throughout the carrier. You apply it to the wood the carrier flashes off, the uh, the solvent flashes off, 
the binder, which is that little bit of varnish that's in there, manages to hold those pigment particles in place and the pigment kind of settles into the pore of the wood and that's what colors the wood. That's what also makes stained pieces muddy because what you're looking at is a solid pigment. Dyes, on the other hand, are different. So pigment stains, if you, if you take that pigment stain and you put that can aside for a day or two days or three days, what you'll find is there's a big glob of pigment on the bottom of that can because all the pigment settles out, or most of it does, because it's much larger particles and it's much heavier. Dyes, on the other hand, are different. Dyes actually dissolve. Think of salt in water, right? If you put sand, put, put, take some, a handful of beach sand and put it in a jar, a ball jar, and put some water in there. Shake that all up, and all those sand particles will kind of be floating in there. Well, that's a suspension. That's a pigment stain. But if you put that jar aside, all that sand is going to settle to the bottom. That's exactly what a pigment stain does. A dye, everything actually dissolves. A good analogy would be to, to take you know a, a handful of salt and put that in a ball jar and put that in the water. Shake that all up and the salt goes away. It doesn't settle out. It actually dissolves into the solvent, which is the water in that case. Well, with a dye, the dye actually dissolves into the solvent, so it will not settle out like it will in a pigment stain. Um, and most dyes come in either a water-based, so you dissolve the, the dye powder in water, or alcohol-based, where you would d uh, dissolve it in denatured alcohol. And in either case, the dye is completely dissolving in that solvent, and that solvent becomes the carrier. There's no varnish or binder added like there is in a, in a stain. When you apply that dye, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more clarity in it because you're not taking a solid pigment and smearing it over top of the grain and making it all muddy. You don't have these pigment that pigment particles that are essentially just getting into the pores of the wood. You're actually taking that dissolved dye and soaking it into the wood fibers and changing the color of the wood fibers themselves. So dyes tend to be much more clear. Uh, there's a lot more clarity in a dye than there is in a pigment stain. So where would you use these two? Well, for one thing, if you're just going, if you're actually going to color bare wood, I would recommend you use a dye, not a stain, for the reasons I've already mentioned. Dyes are have much more clarity to them. They're not going to muddy the wood up like a pigment stain. Um, I will do. I will use a dye in cases where I don't necessarily like the undertones of the natural wood. And let me give you an example. You get some some kiln dried steamed walnut. If you've ever seen the difference between kiln-dried steamed walnut and air-dried walnut, you'll realize right away there's a huge difference in the, in the color palette of them. Air-dried walnut is going to have lots of greens and purples, and it's, and it's just going to be this rich color. But the sapwood is really, really bright white. When you get walnut from the lumberyard that's been steamed um, and, and kiln-dried, they do that to try and pull some of the color out of the heartwood and get it into the sapwood to darken the sapwood so there's less of a harsh uh, distinction between the heartwood and the sapwood. You still know that the sapwood is the sapwood, but it tends to be this, this muddy blonde, uh, blondish color, like brownish blondish color instead of a bright white. Well, 
kiln dried and, and steamed walnut tends to look blah. It's sort of just gray and lifeless and very cold. So when I'm working with wood like that, I like to add some warmth to the overall undertones of the wood. And the best way to do that is with a dye. So you might take something like a, an amber brownish kind of colored um, dye or a reddish brown dye and dye the walnut. And that is going to bring some warmth into that walnut. It's not going to be so dull and gray and cool. And then you can you know, do your top coats and your glazing and whatever over top of that. So that is typically when I will use a dye is when I need to change the undertones of the wood. If the base tones of the wood are okay, like let's say you're working with cherry, and what you really want to do is darken it up a little bit, a dye might work, but dyes can still blotch. What professionals will do instead is to color the top coat. And the reason that they do this is one, it's the whole, they, it avoids the whole blotching issue because the top coat just sits on the surface of the wood instead of getting into the wood. So you don't have to worry about blotching at all. Um, and honestly, that is the absolute best way to avoid blotching is to avoid using stains and dyes in the first place, at least on the surface of the raw wood. If, if the wood can't absorb the color, then it can't blotch. So that's the whole basis for putting down a sealer coat before you put any color down. Um, you know, whether you're using a, a diluted shellac or any other quote unquote blotch control, what's essentially happening is that product is sealing up the pores of the wood so that it doesn't absorb or at least restricts the amount of stain or dye that the product that the wood will absorb. Well, what a professional would do would be to completely seal the surface of that wood. So let's say you've got a piece of cherry. You might put two or three coats of shellac over that piece of cherry to completely seal the cherry with a, a, a first film coat. And then go ahead and level that and smooth that surface. And then you start adding things like toners and glazes. And again, the difference between the two is very similar to the difference between a stain and a dye. A glaze is essentially a pigment in a carrier. Gel varnish makes a very good glaze. It's essentially a pigment or, or gel stain. It's essentially a gel varnish with a pigment added to it. Just like before, it's a suspension, but instead of being a suspension in a very thinned down varnish um, and, and mineral spirits solution, it's a pigment in a gel varnish. And it will stick and, and get into corners and things like that. And glazes are great when you want to add some depth or you want to add some age and character because the glaze can kind of get stuck in the corners and be a little uneven. The other option is a toner, which is similar to a dye. So it's a top coat where the, the coloring has been added to the top coat, but it completely dissolves. Um, these are things you can, you can do it with shellac by adding an alcohol-based dye to a shellac. You can do it with lacquer. Um, and, you know, lacquer, pigmented lacquer is typically known as a toner. And that is just a top coat. It's a colored, top, clear colored top coat. And by adding different amounts of dye to the top coat and by controlling the number of coats that you put on, you can subtly alter the color without muddying up the surface. Um, and, and 
That's what you find professionals doing instead of applying dyes and stains directly to the bare wood. The benefit is by sealing the wood up with shellac first, you can start to add color over top of the shellac. And if you don't like how it's turning out, you can clean off whatever's on there. For example, you seal up with your shellac and you decide to put a glaze on. So you go to the hardware store and you get yourself some mid-wax uh, gel stain in walnut. And you put that over top of the, the wood. And you realize, oh, wow, this is not what I was going for. It's really way too dark. It's not what I want. Well, you can take some mineral spirits. You can wipe all of that glaze right off. It won't be in the wood because the two or three coats of shellac that you put on sealed everything up. And you can start over with a different color glaze um, or go with a toner. Again, you've, you've put on your shellac. And now you decide as a top coat you're going to add... Um, a lacquer, a, a, a toner, a, a colored lacquer, essentially. So you put on a coat or two of that and you don't like it, you can use lacquer thinner to take that toner right off and get back down to the shellac. The shellac won't be hurt by the lacquer thinner. And that allows you to, to subtly and step-by-step step change the color of a piece so that you can... Correct it if need be by removing that layer of color if it doesn't come out exactly the way you want. So what I suggest, would suggest if you're really interested in coloring wood is to play around with this concept. Instead of worrying about how to control the you know, blotching of the stain when you apply the stain to the wood, don't apply the stain to the wood. Seal that piece of wood up with a couple of coats of shellac first. And then start to play around with gel stains to, to glaze. And what you can do is put a layer of gel stain down. And if it's kind of starting to get you there, seal that in with shellac. Then put another layer of a, a different color of gel stain or a toner of some sort. You know, you can, you can tint some lacquer or, or uh, whatever and try that. And these seal coats of shellac between each of your color coats is going to give you a place that you can get back to by using the appropriate solvent. If you don't like the, the color that the glaze is giving you, you remove it with mineral spirits. If you don't like the color that the toner is giving you, you remove it with lacquer thinner. And you can, you can buy Mohawk toners in spray cans, just like you, you know, if you don't have a spray system in HVLP, I don't have one myself. Um, you can buy toners and spray cans, just like spray paint. Um, and you can buy pigments in, you know, you can buy a, a gel stains. Gel stains make fine glazes. You can make your own glazes using artist oil colors, um, like artist paint, like oil paints from the art store, and mix those in a little bit of clear, um, clear gel varnish. And if you, again, if you don't like it, if it doesn't look good, if it's too muddy, take it off down to the shellac layer and you seal between each layer of color with shellac and that will allow you to get back down to whatever layer you need to using the appropriate solvent without damaging the finish underneath it. Um, and I think if you just play around with that a little bit, you'll find that you can really have precise control over the color and in the end, you'll be much happier and you'll get much closer to what you'll see 
a professional finisher doing because a professional finisher is not using that stain directly on the wood. So give it a try um, and and see how that how that works for you. You can really experiment a lot using this technique. So give that a try. We'll see you guys next month.